Welcome, everyone, to the Change Starts Here podcast. I'm your host, Dustin Odom, and it is an honor for me to welcome you to Research Week. What is Research Week? Research Week is when we get people who are way smarter than me uh, bringing really insightful conversations regarding practical and tactical research-driven insights to the most important issues of theory and practice in our field today. Uh, enjoy this conversation. It's an honor to have them. We are excited to welcome you to Research Week. Hello and welcome to episode two of Research Conversations here in the 23-24 season. Um, I am joined by Jennifer Chevalier and Kim Yers. Welcome, ladies. Thanks Glad you. to be here. Um, and we are so excited to get the second episode going. Um, in the last episode that we recommend you go back and listen to because we set up some of the the foundational ideas and beliefs. Um, but what one of those that we spoke about uh, was executive functioning and how there is this, this line between the things that we're seeing for like student achievement and what we want to do to recover learning loss post pandemic, as well as the ability to actually achieve that learning and what we want for students long term. So it's a way of thinking about and rethinking about the way that we're educating students um, in this post-pandemic world. And that's really where we started the conversation last time. Yeah, and you know, since we had that initial conversation, I've been kind of wrestling with um, how our message may come across because we're trying to make the case that these executive functions are kind of must-dos um, not just nice to do's because they are the foundation of academic skills, workforce readiness, and, you know, just life in general, and how that could be received by people in the field. Because I can remember a time when my response to our first episode would have been like, oh, great, here's one more thing to put on my plate. Yeah, you know what? The educator plate is a real thing, you know, it, that, you know, it's a metaphor that's pretty pervasive. And when we talk about it, most of the time, it's um, the plate runneth over kind of is the sentiment. Um, you know, Jen, from a perspective of a former administrator, like when you think about that plate, what does that look like? Man, the administrator's plate is like cram packed with stuff, right? So they have all the like tasks that go along with their roles, the laying out of initiatives and mandates and, you know, supporting their staff from the educators in the classroom to support staff and, you know, addressing student behavior and juggling what's going on with parents and families and community issues and then the test scores and it is a really full plate. And, you know, I can imagine some administrators thinking, how could I possibly take on one more new thing? And how could I ask my classroom teachers to take on something new when they are exiting the profession at an alarming rate? Yeah. Yeah. And I know that even from a classroom educator perspective, right, that plate, it's you say executive function and it's like, oh my gosh, I just got down. The last thing that you told me that I have to do, you know, like, oh, it's this, it's this feeling like, oh gosh, where do I fit this in? You know, my day is already jam packed. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm hearing 
what y'all are saying. And I, when I think about the plate, okay, just like what, what is the plate ultimately, right? Like not to get so basic, but like, what is the plate? When we talk about a plate, when we're at the dinner table, what is the plate? It's like the thing that holds everything else, right? Okay, so hear me out for a second. So just to reframe this for a second. So we talk about all the things on the plate, but when we consider what we've made the plate out of, I think sometimes we can think about it as doing, like a lot of doing, a lot of upkeep, a lot of like keeping the wheel turning, keeping the students on task, keeping their behavior under control, keeping them well, keeping the teachers well, keeping them happy, keeping the teachers in the classroom, like all of these things is doing, doing, doing. And it is so us, like just by nature, like these are the things I can control. These are the things that I can do. But when we step back and go, what if I could do it more effectively? Or what if I thought about the plate a little bit differently and it allowed me to put different things on the plate? Because as the cognitive neuroscientist here, like what I think about is the cognitive pieces that hold up everything else. And for students, that's executive functioning. Like that is the plate for them. Like their ability to manage their emotions, to manage their behavior, to be self-regulated learners, all of that is tied to what they have on their plate. But that's the same for us too as adults. Like our wellness, our ability to, you know, choose certain priorities over others. And so I I just want to put that back to y'all. Like, is is that a reasonable way to think about maybe reframing the plate? Um, and not to say it's not absolutely valid where administrators and educators are coming from with all these things, but to invite ourselves to just kind of rethink this idea of what your plate looks like. What is the plate? So when you're talking, I'm having maybe an aha. So I want to check with you to see if, um, you know, our, our thoughts are lining up here. So in talking about the plate as this vessel that holds everything and this problem that we educators sometimes feel like, where do I fit it in? Are you suggesting that it's not something new that we're taking on executive function? Well, I mean, <laughs> we're always making a choice about executive function, whether we're making an active choice or not, like whether we support the development of it or we're actually like holding students back from developing just in the ways that we direct their learning instead of like turning it over to them, whether we're helping them to learn the skills to manage themselves or whether we're teaching them that you are the regulator, that you as a teacher regulate them, they don't have the ability to regulate themselves. So executive functions have already been there, right? This isn't new. And now what I hear you saying is that we could just make these small adjustments um, and we could put them, you know, kind of like work them into our lives as educators without thinking about it as being one more thing, right? Um, so I'm just wondering, 
if that were the the approach, like one thing that's coming to my mind, right? So we talked in the last episode about the three biggies, cognitive flexibility, inhibitory control, and working memory, right? So inhibitory control, for example, like that's impulse control. Um, and we all know that in classrooms, you know, we always have kids calling out or, you know, it's, you know, there's always these conversations about unfavorable behaviors, but inhibitory control is one of those things that if we got that in check, then it might make more time to teach those instructional uh, objectives that we've got laid out for ourselves, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, but like, how do you bring in a practice that helps the student to learn inhibitory control? Like what's something that you might already be doing or like working memory or cognitive flexibility? What are those practices? So, you know, for example, I was an elementary school teacher for many, many years. And, you know, as an elementary teacher, you're always lining kids up to take them to lunch or to take them to gym or to take them wherever in the classroom. And so that's like an opportunity. So I used to might, I might say something like, okay, anybody who's wearing a red shirt, you can go ahead and get online. Or if you're sitting at table three, Um, but inhibitory control, that's a great place where you can kind of bring some fun into the classroom. It could be like a Simon Says type of thing um, and, you know, or a Red Rover kind of thing um, where, you know, they get to practice impulse control. Um, That's a simple, that's a simple way. And it kind of heightens engagement. Um, They get excited. That seems like a really simple adjustment that we could make. I almost think, or this is making me think that um, it's just about looking at where executive functions already show up and then being more intentional about amplifying them. Like, do you have another example? Like I, that's really like, you know, applying it to the classrooms, like really helping me to think about this. Um, and how we can really do this in a realistic way. I do have another example, but before I jump to that, as the two of you were thinking and talking about the inhibitory control, the impulse control, I got thinking about how much time as a classroom teacher or as a a school leader, um, we spend addressing behavior challenges and trying to um, like shift focus back to the work and um, kind of realign the behavior. But what if we spent that time laying the groundwork for this inhibitory control so that students could manage their own behavior? Um, It would probably take about the same amount of time in the beginning as reacting to the behavior. But over time, the students would develop that skill and then that would free up more time as you know, a classroom leader or a school leader, um, because you don't have to address those behavior challenges anymore because the kids are owning them and, you know, controlling those impulses. So uh, I love, I love where you both went with that. And, you know, I shared in the last episode that working memory is a challenge for me. Um, And there are some easy ways that we can help students develop their working memory uh, opportunities to apply what they've learned, whether it's, you know, 
through some kind of project or some giving them like flexibility and how they show what they've learned. I always love that. Like um, if I had a choice of how I showed the teacher what I knew, I could move away from um, the modalities that weren't good for me and really focus on the modalities that are good for me. And so as a classroom teacher, I was able to give students that flexibility in a lot of um, circumstances to show me what they would know. And most of the time, the, the ways they would show me would be so much more work and effort um, than what I would have just asked them to do. But they were so excited to have choice and voice in it that they would work on it at home and they would ask, you know, if they could come in early and work on it, you'd get, I get dioramas or cool te technology-based um, video recordings. Or it's just amazing when we free students up to sh to have that choice in how they express what they've learned that can really solidify the knowledge that we're sharing with them. Yes, and. I think I want I want to circle back to what you were saying at the very beginning about just like the way that this saves time, but I want to apply it okay to a classroom like the cognitive flexibility, like one of the ones we haven't talked about yet. Um, see if I'm getting this right. Like I think a lot about the research on critical and creative thinking and how important those are as academic skills, um, and bringing that into something you're already doing. It could be you know, I, I know that I've had this opportunity where instead of writing an essay about say like the protagonist's point of view or like their motivations, you know, the thing that you're maybe regurgitating to a certain degree because that's the evident path, the effort, like that flexibility could be really stretched if you invite them to think about the villain or the, the antagonist of the story. Like what were how could you reframe what they did in some way that kind of shifts their thinking, even if it's like kind of ridiculous, like to invite them to push their brains to think beyond one way or the way that you might've talked about in the class and invite them to think about it the opposite. What you're doing in those moments is teaching them and building that creative flexibility muscle. And it feels like from the, the Red Rover getting in line to, you know, giving them these choices and helping them to maintain this information because it's more relevant to them. It, I think something that's really important here is to be explicit with them about the ability they're growing through this. So it's not just sharing with them, oh, you did a nice essay there, but helping them to feel confident because that feedback on executive functioning, it's just like any other skill that we develop. Uh, it matters how you give feedback on it. Um, and so it, I think that just being explicit with them saying, what you did there was you really stretched yourself. That was really your ability to do that will serve you as you do this, you know, maybe something they're interested in. Maybe that's their next essay, like how doing this helps to serve this big goal that they have. Um, that cognitive flexibility you were just talking about where you yeah. to kind of take on the other viewpoint. I think that goes a long way to developing empathy for others too, mm. yeah. right? When you have to get out of your own head and your own perspectives and see something from a, a different perspective, it can really um, move us to a place where 
we have a deeper understanding and curiosity about people instead of just automatically resisting something that sounds different than what we think about. Um, so I love that idea. And so to kind of summarize what I hear us saying in this, you know, we started with this big question about how do we fit it all in? And there's like two words that I would take away with me. One is intentional. Be intentional about where we're already doing it and just kind of amplify it. And also to be explicit, to help kids see mm. the way that they're growing because they're doing these things. And that just feels like you know, I say I started with some angst and anxiety, like, oh, where am I going to do this? But I'm like, that feels really doable to me. Yeah. When I, I like, I like that. I like that recap. And I also like what's been coming up. I think my recap would be, I'm hearing a lot of other words, like a lot of other outcomes that we want, like the empathy, like, you know, bringing up critical and creative thinking and, you know, behavior management. And that conversations like this are what led us to the approach we're bringing to this entire series is if you are an educator and administrator and you're not quite convinced yet, or you're, you're motivated, you're interested in opening your mind to like, okay, maybe, maybe there is time for this, but those examples don't apply to me. We, we get that. And we get that thinking through this and shifting educational practice it, you know, having examples and having discussions and thinking about this over time and with lots of different ex ways of thinking about it is important. And that's why the way that we've set this up is to take a competence that's related to, that has a direct connection to academic achievement and a direct connection to workforce readiness, back to our first episode, and to use that for just talking about an entire, um, talking about it through an entire episode, just that one competency, just really dissecting it in important ways and applying it in ways that we hope will be very useful to the teachers you work with, or if you're an educator yourself. Um, and so that's kind of a takeaway from this for me is this is just how you naturally end up here is you end up talking about these things these bigger things you want for students. Is that, is that fair? Yeah. And you know, the bottom line is what we're doing to help academics isn't landing as well as we'd like it to be right. All the data points to that. And so we have to be open to considering what's missing. Obviously we don't give up the instructional practice, but chances are it's not just a new curriculum that's needed, right? We keep searching and trying different ways of coming at the instruction through different curriculum. But if it was just that, I feel like we could have found the solution by now. So, you know, what's missing? And I think we're making the case for it's these executive functions. Unfortunately, we're out of time for today. So we invite you all to join us again in two weeks for our third episode where we dive into one of those competencies that Eve talked about. Uh, we'll be starting with self-awareness and um, how that helps build executive function. Thanks for joining us. Please support us by subscribing to our YouTube channel, uh, podcasts on Apple or Spotify, and help us celebrate the beautiful, messy work of shaping human potential.